1: Världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson Hoj, här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Carlsson. Ingen faktiskt, ingen annan
0: Karlsson Vill jag så bra som mig Carlson! Carlson! Carlson scores! Carlson! Yes. Carlson! Yes! Welcome everybody to another episode, the final regular season episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and as always with me is Brian Com.
1: Final regular season. Hello, Elon. Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in once again We've gotten you this far, and you've gotten yourself this far, not to take away any credit from you. Let's see what else we can do for you through the final week of fantasy hockey matchups.
0: Yeah, some people might already be eliminated. Some people may have already won their championships, and some leagues only go to the end of the second last week of the regular season. But some people are in it. We're going to be fighting for the championship this week, and we're going to throw a number of names at you of people you may want to pick up, people you may want to avoid. We'll also just talk about some other players that may be relevant for next year's draft, so there's going to be something for everyone in this episode. And before we get started, let's just mention that we are presented, as always, by DailyFaceOff.com. What a great site to be partnered with. Like, what else do you need? you got the line combinations. You've got the starting goalies every day. Fantasy news. The schedule, which is like one of the most crucial tools at this point in the season. And we're going to be referencing the schedule a lot during this episode, next week's schedule, for example. Maybe you don't want to pick up that Washington Capitol player who's not named Ovechkin or Backstrom. We'll talk about it all. But first, we have to do what we always do. And people are going to roll their eyes right now. They're going to be so annoyed at us. And I try to think, what's the biggest headline? But I'm pretty sure I've got to mention players on the Winnipeg Jets. A lot of news came out of Winnipeg this week. And we're going to cover them... Let's start with some outjuries. Brian Little is back after his outjury, and Matthew Perot is back. Let's see how each of them did. Since their returns, Brian Little has played two games, has picked himself up one assist. Matthew Perot wasn't doing that great, only had one assist in two games, but then three assists yesterday against Vancouver. So next week, the Jets play Four games, so this pickup could mean a lot of games and a lot of productive games. If, Brian, you think these guys are going to continue to produce, I assume Brian Little, if he's available, you want to get him. I'm taking a guess that that's what you're going to say. I'm interested to see what you have to say about Matthew Perot, and then, of course, we'll talk about Dustin Bufflin. But first thing first, Little and Perot. what do you think of these guys returning?
1: Yes, I will say to pick up both of them if you can, especially with their four-game week next week. The Jets are really rolling with the top nine right now, and Brian Little actually finds himself in one of the better spots in that top nine alongside Andrew Ladd and Michael Froelich. He also steps right back onto that first power play unit, and so does Mathieu Perrault. We had some hesitation about Perrault last week and what line he'd find himself on when he came back. And sure enough, our concerns were well-founded. He seems to be in the bottom third of Winnipeg's top nine. He's on a line with Lee Stempniak, in Adam Lowry. However, that did not stop him, Elon, as you said, from somehow recording three points with them last night. One other cause for concern with Perot was that he went without registering a shot on goal while seeing meager minutes in his first two games back from injury, but he did get four shots on goal on Saturday night against Vancouver. His ice time keeps going up. He saw 16 minutes last night and tons of power play time on that first unit. Again, four games next week for the Winnipeg Jets. There's only six
0: days of hockey next week. Four games is amazing. Grab Perot if he's available. And then, like I mentioned before, another thing in Winnipeg is that Dustin Bufflin is suspended. Man, is there a more frustrating person to have held into your fantasy hockey playoffs, Brian? I think that our team lost by the way, by like 0.4 points, but I think we lost last week a lot because we only had Bufflin in for a couple of games, you remember how he was injured, but he didn't go on the IRs, he was on day-to-day, burning a roster spot, he finally came back, was doing something, was like, phew, now we could all ride Bufflin, and then for those of you who have him, I'm sure then you were like, oh great. Now a suspension. Guess what? Also for a suspension, you can't put him on your IR. So unless you have an IR plus spot, he's again burning a spot on your roster. Unless you decide to cut ties. If it's a keeper league, then it's really hard, Brian. That's why we didn't drop him. because we're in a keeper league and we're planning on keeping him for next year. But man, this is rough. With this suspension, he'll only be able to play one game next week. He'll be able to play in the Jets' last game. I imagine that's not worth holding on to unless, Brian, do you disagree? No, I do
1: agree. And maybe just keep an eye if he is dropped by somebody else. If you can be the first one to add him back into your lineup, or if you do have an IR plus spot and you can stash him for the duration of his suspension, then, well, that could be worth your while. But Elon, I think you pretty much covered it. It's been like an awful month for anyone who owns him, especially in keeper leagues like us, because you can't just outright drop him. So Jay Harrison is going to step into Dustin Bufflin's spot alongside Adam Party. On the Jets blue line, but that doesn't mean a whole lot for either of those guys. It means more for the trio of Toby Enstrom, Tyler Myers, and Jacob Truba, and to a lesser extent, Mark Stewart. Those three and sort of four are going to be counted on even more to carry the load, both at even strength. And with a man advantage, so their values see a little bit of a bump with Bufflin out. But Bufflin has been out a lot lately, so I imagine their value stays reasonably consistent to what it's been for the last few weeks already.
0: Okay, and since we're on the topic of outjuries, let's go to the Rangers and Martin St. Louis is back. Which, is that great news for his owners or not? I mean... He wasn't doing so, so great before he got injured. And then since his return, he only has one assist in two games played. So obviously small sample size. Though if you look at the Rangers' lines in their last game, Martin St. Louis was playing with Kevin Hayes and Carl Hagelin. So, you know, you'd rather have names like Stepan and Nash as your line mates if you're playing on the Rangers. So I'm curious to know if St. Louis is a good pickup for next week if he was dropped. I mean, the Rangers do play four games, just like the Jets. So he does seem like a prime acquisition target. But Brian, what do you think? I know you weren't so high on St. Louis when he got injured. You were saying the people might have been lucky that he got injured so that they could pick someone else up that they wouldn't have otherwise.
1: Well, when you asked whether his owner should be happy or sad, one of the questions that ran through my head also is, like, who are his owners still? If you've been patient enough to hang on to Marty St. Louis this long, then these four games in the final week— will hopefully be your reward, but as Elon mentioned, he was near snoozing before, only three points in 10 games before getting injured, and in the bigger picture, only eight points in 21 games played, which are not worthy numbers for Marty St. Louis. He has just one shot on goal in two games since returning to the lineup, although yes, he does have a point. I suppose he still could step up at any time. He also could keep like half snoozing. So it's good to keep him in mind if you're looking to make a move, but make sure you weigh him against all other options on your free agent list. If you have him, I feel like you don't tempt fate by dropping him just because of how favorable his schedule is. But I'd say that it really is up in the air to see just how much he's able to produce over the final week of the season.
0: All right, Brian, let me put you on the spot. I know you love this. Let's say you have one spot open, you're deciding between Matthew Perreault and Martin St. Louis. Who would you want? Both playing four games next week.
1: I'm going to go Matthew Perreault. He's been like the mascot of our podcast so far this year, so how could I leave him now?
0: Okay, that'll be a fun thing to track. I think, Saint. I don't know, St. Louis It is disappointing. Also, he only played 14 minutes in their last game, and like you said, no shots on goal, so that assist I feel like kind of a lucky assist that he got it I don't know if he'll be able to do much he's still getting power play time though but yeah I guess asking you to compare to Matthew Perot, that wasn't a very helpful question because of course you're going to say Matthew Perot, you love Matthew Perot. maybe let me ask if you would rather Martin St. Louis than another Rangers player for example let's say a Kevin Hayes who you know not as big of a name for sure but he actually has seven points in his last nine games as opposed to St. Louis who as you've been saying has been snoozing for a while now Let's say if you were choosing between those two guys, which one would you want?
1: And they are line mates right now, along with Carl Hagelin. So I guess the question is, can Kevin Hayes carry Marty St. Louis to a productive final week? The answer is... Well, actually, sorry, that's not the question, so I won't answer it. I really like Kevin Hayes right now. If you look at since the All-Star break, he's managed 23 points in 34 games. He's got 9 goals and 14 assists in that spin. And going from the completely arbitrary date of February 8th, which is a span of like 26, 27, 28 games, he is tied for second in even strength points scored amongst all NHLers. He's tied with Mark Stone, Ryan O'Reilly, Gabriel Landeskog, and Jeff Carter, behind only Jamie Benn and Yuri Hoodler, who only just recently passed him with big performances in recent contests. If I didn't mention a player's name right now, that means they are behind Kevin Hayes in even strength scoring over the last two months almost. So I do really like Kevin Hayes as a depth add, but it's tough to choose Hayes over St. Louis just given the weight that each of their names carries. I think I would really consider going with Kevin Hayes, though. I think I would be stubborn. I'm really down on St. Louis right now.
0: Yeah, well, I guess it all comes down to how you think the Rangers' power play will do. Because, like you say, Hayes has been great at even strength, but he's not playing on the power play. Martin St. Louis will get that power play time. Maybe it depends what categories are important to you next week. But interesting options over there on the Rangers, who, like I said, play four times next week. One more outjury that I wanted to discuss. Let's go to Ottawa and talk about Clark MacArthur who just came back from a very long absence with a concussion, but he's back. We talked about him last week as someone who was going to be coming back, but Brian, you were concerned about him wearing a visor or something, but who cares, visor, schmeiser, he's got five points in five games since his return. So he's been fantastic. Ottawa comes in with a respectable three games next week, so not the Rangers or the Jets, but still they play Pittsburgh Rangers and Philadelphia. Do you think Clark MacArthur is someone who you'd want in your lineup for your championship week? He's
1: someone I'm looking at on my roster for sure. Like maybe if you have someone playing two games, three games out of Clark MacArthur might be more worthwhile to you. And it's been a sad season for MacArthur so far. And Elon, I think you had him as a snoozer at one point this year. And you weren't totally wrong to feel that way. He had just 26 points in 53 games. And that generally does not make a player Worthy of a spot on most fantasy rosters, but we have seen the return of the Mac back to his form from last year, and I think a big part of it has to do with line mates, and he's seeing more power play time and decent ice time, especially compared to what he was seeing before being injured.
0: Well, it's interesting because if you take a look at Ottawa's line combinations right now, MacArthur has been playing with Turris and Mark Stone, and I believe that was the position held by Milan McCulloch, who was having a bit of a resurgence himself before going down with injury. So I guess MacArthur just stepped right into McCulloch's spot and has been putting up similar numbers.
1: Which means that there might be a fantasy move for you to make, especially if you're a Milan McCulloch owner waiting for him to come back. I'm not sure it's going to happen before
0: the end of the season. And those are the big-name outjuries for the week. Unfortunately, now we're going to talk about some of the injuries. And considering that we're going into the last week of the season, if you are one of the owners of one of these injured players, it's kind of bad luck for you. And there was some bad news just yesterday. I was looking at the news from the night before going to bed, and I saw that Miku Koivu didn't play and might be injured. Now I see that he might actually come back to play in the Wilds next game on Monday. But I think it leads to an interesting question, Brian. What do you do in this final week? If you have a player that's scheduled not to play, you know, do you risk leaving his spot, you know, not replacing him and also not knowing if he's going to play again? Like if last night you saw that Miku Koivu wasn't going to play, would you have made the move to just drop him and forget about him for the last week? Or do you hold on? I guess it depends on the player. But Brian, what do you think about Koivu in particular? Obviously, we see he's going to come back.
1: It also depends on where you are in your matchup at the moment, if you can afford to have a game wasted on your roster or if you need to squeeze every little bit out of your team that you can. I've taken this opportunity to move Miko Koivu to my IR+, plus, so that maybe I can add a player that I'm not sure about if I want. It's kind of just like a bonus space to hold a player and sort of lay claim to and think about until I need to make the decision. Unfortunately for Minnesota, that actually means It's one day because Minnesota plays Monday and Tuesday next week. They've got a four-game schedule, so there's not as much flexibility with Koivu there as you might have with another player that this happens to. But as I said at the start, it's all going to depend on just how much you can afford to lose that one game out of the player and how important that player is to your team. And Koivu is in an interesting spot because he was doing so little for so long this year like he's going to finish just above a half point per game on the season. But he's been on fire lately. He has eight points in his last 10 games. He's scoring goals. He's scoring assists. He's putting shots on net. All of a sudden, he is that fantasy stud that we were hoping he'd be all year long. So it's tough to see that he might not go at this point in the season. But however, Elon, like you said, the latest update we have is that it looks like he is probable to play on Monday.
0: So yeah, I thought that injuries were supposed to be a sad part of the show, but yeah, if Koivu comes back, and maybe someone might have dropped him yesterday when they saw that he wasn't going to play in order to get that extra game, maybe they needed it for this week's matchup, which means there might be a Koivu free agent in your league that you could pick up for next week, and like Brian said, the Wild play four games, so definitely he'd be a good add. Another name, though, of a guy who didn't play yesterday, and we also don't know what he's going to be available for next week, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins went down for the Oilers. Apparently he had a lower body injury didn't play, and he's also been a guy who wasn't so, so great for most of the year but has really heated up lately. So bad news for Nugent Hopkins owners, but for those guys who had Taylor Hall on the IR and brought him back, he's actually been doing pretty well since he's come back, but now he's back on the top line playing with Pouliot and Eberly. So I guess that's great news for Taylor Hall, but not great news for Ryan Nugent Hopkins, right Brian? Not good
1: news for Ryan Nugent Hopkins, not good news for his owners or owners who traded for him and are being rewarded by his recent tear in point scoring he and Eberle have just been incredible but Elon I would say that this could potentially be even worse news for Benoit Pouliot and his owners as you know Benoit Pouliot we've talked about him on the show as being somebody who's had a really good ride along with Eberle and Eugene Hopkins and I would tend to sort of think that he's getting it partially because of their great play. Not that he's pulling them along with him, but that it's the other way around. But Pouliot, even before this Nugent Hopkins injury, had gone pointless in four games straight and had not registered more than a shot on goal in any of those. In fact, getting zero shots on goal in one of those games, which had become sort of uncharacteristic during a recent run where he had two or more shots on goal in every game, you know, for a little bit of a stretch. So I'm wondering, as an owner of Pouliot, I wasn't really high on him just with this pointless drought. Like, I don't think he's a player necessarily worth sticking by if he goes cold. But if Nugent Hopkins is out of the lineup, then I'm even more bearish on Pouliot over the last week of the season.
0: But don't you think that Taylor Hall is like an upgrade over Nugent Hopkins as a line mate?
1: I don't know if upgrade's the right word. And either way, it's temporary. So I don't know where things will shake out by the end of next game. So I suppose if you want to keep Pouliot and see how the lines are shuffled with Nugent Hopkins out and then make your decision, of course, that's your prerogative.
0: Yeah, though, of course, not a great game. With Nugent Hopkins out, the Oilers got shut out yesterday by Calgary. So you would think that's great because if you owned a Calgary goalie, that means you got a shutout. But no, you didn't because Kari Ramo played for the first like minute or two didn't even make one save before going down with an injury himself. Jonas Hiller came in and got the shutout against the Oilers, but he doesn't actually get credited with it, so it didn't help you in your fantasy league. You probably didn't even play Hiller even if you had him because he wasn't scheduled to play. But, you know, going into next week, I'm sure people were still concerned if they had one of these Calgary goalies. Oh my gosh, are they going to play with Ramo? Or are they going to play Hiller? Now, at least, unless it's something really minor, I'd imagine it's time to drop Ramo and pick up Hiller if he's available because he'll get Calgary's last few games. And, of course, this is all just speculation. I don't know what the extent is of Ramos' injury. But according to Roto World, he was helped off the ice after injuring his leg or groin. So I have a feeling the Flames will let him sit. That would be my guess. He actually hadn't played in their previous three games. So the Flames had already started to go with Hiller. Which is interesting because before that, Ramos played, like, five games in a row... But with the Flames chasing a playoff spot and assuming that it will be Hiller for the three games next week, Brian, do you think that he's a guy you'd be comfortable starting or is he kind of like a scary start for you?
1: I think Hiller would be a decent, say, number two guy to have next week, especially at least for the first game against Arizona. I wonder if their game against L.A. later in the week is going to be a really tight-checking, low-scoring affair, so that could also help him with his numbers Last game of the season against Winnipeg, all bets are probably off as Winnipeg is known to light the lamp, and we don't know exactly where Calgary will be in the standings and how much pressure they'll be under to score or prevent scoring from the other team. All this to say that, yes, I would like to have Jonas Hiller if I could, on my roster over the last week of the season, not relying on him, but being sort of a backup guy to help me out in numbers
0: if I need it. For the next injury, let's talk about Victor Hedman. He's out with a lower body injury, and we still don't know if he's going to be back for next week. But the Lightning actually only play two times, and not again until Thursday. They play Thursday and Saturday of next week. So it's a long time for Hedman to recover, but also it's a long time to hold on to someone who may or may not play. If he doesn't play on Thursday, that means you pretty much gave up a whole week from him. And, you know, even in the lineup, Hedman, who we talked about at one point in the year as being, like, one of the new elite defensemen in the league, he's been really cold. He went five games in a row without getting a point before going down with injury, before that he had a a short little run. But, Brian, let's say if you're not in a keeper league, would you hold on to Hedman at this point just for the chance that he might give you two games at the end of the week? Or do you think it's worthwhile to just drop him and grab, like, someone on Winnipeg or Minnesota who play on both Monday and Tuesday?
1: That's going to depend on who the available free agent defensemen are to you. It would be a possible strategy for you to maybe roll the dice and hope he might still be available come Thursday that nobody else has made a waiver claim on him, although I think your odds are pretty slim. The thing you've got going for you, though, is that he did only manage to hit the score sheet twice in his last 10 games before being injured. He had a goal and three assists in back-to-back contests against Montreal and Detroit to total four points. He was putting up a few peripherals, a few shots on goal, but nothing world-beating. I don't think anything that would particularly entice another owner to really want to grab him. Although if you are in a deep league, I imagine Hedman would be an upgrade. The other thing going against him, though, is that he's playing two teams with very strong goalies to close out the season, Schneider in New Jersey and Rask in Boston. Of course, he might not play the starter, and both backups in those cities are weak, so that could be a double-edged sword, too. Let's talk about what's happening in Tampa with Hedman out. It's been Nikita Nesterov filling in for Hedman, and Nesterov has moved up into a power play role over the last three games. He's averaging four to six minutes more of time on ice with Hedman out, and he stepped up his production in that span, not necessarily in points, but in peripherals. He has 13 shots on goal, nine hits, and he did pick up an assist in his most recent game. Those shot numbers are really good for a defenseman, and they should eventually translate into a couple points here and there, but that only lasts as long as Hedman and Garrison are out of the lineup. Once they're back, he'll likely return to maybe a a 15-minute-a-night guy that he was in, like, the 2022 games prior. Now, if you're thinking, well, he's doing well in that spot, maybe they'll let him stay. He is getting beat badly possession-wise, so I don't think he's going to be able to stick where he's at on the depth chart any longer than is necessary. But look, it's his rookie season. It's his second full year in North America. He just turned 22. I think we could be hearing from him again down the road. The other guy seeing extra time on the blue line is Slater Cuckoo. And you'd be Cuckoo to think that he'll add any substantial value to your fantasy team.
0: Brian, I knew as soon as I saw you were going to talk about a guy named Cuckoo, there was no way that you weren't going to make that pun. But yeah, Nikita Nesterov, that's an interesting suggestion, but like I said, the Lightning don't play until Thursday, so no point going out and grabbing him right now. Maybe you could look at him closer to the end of the week if it turns out that Hedman is still out, and if you're in, obviously, a very deep league. Before we stop talking about Hedman, though, Brian, I am curious to know your thoughts. Have you reassessed your thoughts on whether or not he's an elite fantasy defenseman, like going into next season? Do you think he's the kind of guy that could put up 50 60 points, I feel like that's what you need to do to be an elite defenseman in the league nowadays. He had that great start to the season and ended up with 37 points in 57 games, which does translate to close to what I've said around 50-60 points. But of course, that was largely buoyed by that great start. Like you said, he hasn't been that great lately. Where do you think Hedman lands for next season? You
1: mentioned 50-60 points as the prerequisite for an elite defenseman. In a full 82-game season, even with all his dry spells, Hedman would still break the 50-point barrier. He would be on pace for about 53 points over the course of a full and healthy season. But it's not just that that makes me know that he is still elite. If you look at all defensemen who have played regular minutes since the start of last season, he is first in points per 60 minutes at even strength, and fourth in points per 60 minutes at all strengths, including on the power play. You don't get those kinds of numbers by accident. You can't fluke your way through them for over, like, you know, 1,100, 1,500 minutes of ice time. I have a lot of faith in Victor Hedman, and the good news for you is that you're listening, you know he's still elite, and perhaps you can grab him if he slips a little bit in your draft next year.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to know what's going to happen in our league, Brian. We're in a keeper league where each team only keeps four people. Maybe Hedman won't be kept, and he'll be a nice guy that we can grab early in the draft and hold on for the rest of his career. We'll have to wait and see. A couple more injuries to close out the segment. I want to go to St. Louis. Again, these are guys that we don't know yet if they're going to come back for next week or not. Alex Steen and Tarasenko have both been injured. I'm sure that's hurt a lot of people who were depending on them. They should have depended on them for their fantasy hockey playoffs and their championship week if it was this week like these guys have been amazing all season long but they've been injured and it's interesting to take a look at what's been going on in st louis in their absence and maybe if there's a new guy that should be looked at in case those guys don't come back as someone who can help in the last week the blues play three times tuesday thursday saturday and with tarasenko and steen out it looks like the top lines over the last few games have been oshie schwartz and stastny and then Backus, Berglund, and jaskin And then lettera has been with Raddy and Jokinen. So yeah, the Blues depth charts don't look so great when you have these two stars out. Like the lines don't look as powerful as they were before when you had those two really strong top lines. But Brian, do any of those names that I said stand out for you? Can Paul Stastny finally come through and win your bet against me that he'll do better than Pavelski? He's got one more week to do it.
1: Well, he still is within reach if he can manage eight points in each of his last three games. And Pavelski goes pointless. I'm not sure which one of those is less likely to happen, though, because Pavelski has been rolling. Good for you, but at least I can say the name Stasny. But let's break it down a little more, Elon. Like you said, it's sort of like the Blues' third line was broken up and sprinkled into the top six, and that is good news, or should be good news, for Stasny, Patrick Berglund, and Dmitri Yaskin. Patrick Berglund has been the one who's made the biggest splash of the three lately, recording three multi-point games in his last four outings. He's got four goals, two assists, and a power play assist, 10 shots on goal in that spin. He's also seen a bit of an uptick in his power play time. And, you know, he might be available in your league as well. He wasn't doing much for a good stretch of the season. He was just added in my most competitive league, so perhaps he could be worth a look in yours. On the other hand, there is not much to say at this point for Stasny or Yaskin. Their presence has been as unnoticeable as each of their surnames' respective silent consonants.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I guess let's throw Lettera into the mix there. Another guy who I don't see much value in adding. He did have a multi point game against Calgary, but aside from that, only three points in his last seven games, and only four points in his last nine.
1: Yes, Letera is the big loser in all of this. He's been shuffling around the bottom six with guys like Steve Auden and Ryan Reeves. He is still seeing decent power play time, but he also failed to register a single shot on goal in three of his last
0: four games played. And you know, I just brought up the Blues and looked at their scoring leaders over their last 15 days, and one name kind of near the top of the list, very surprising. Brian, I'm sure you're excited to start correcting me on this guy's name's pronunciation, but Zibinek Michalik (laughs) I don't know if that was close or not but he's got four points in his last seven games he actually had a multi-point game against Dallas a couple of days ago and we were talking about how maybe you might want to pick up a defenseman if someone like Hedman is injured and if there's someone available does someone like Michalik entice you at all with his recent run of productivity?
1: Well the game in which he managed a goal and an assist that was a game in which the Blues scored seven goals it was wide open it was the game against the Stars, and he still has not really been seeing any power play time, and there's a long line to be able to do so behind Kevin Shattenkirk, Alex Petangelo, and I figure Jay Bomeister would be the guy, if anybody, to get extra time aside from those two, And you did pretty well on the name pronunciation, but it's Zbinek. It's spelled Z-B-Y, not Z-Y-B. Well, I like
0: to think that we're just giving our listeners different options for how they may want to pronounce these players' names. There's no real answer. It's all just what you choose to say, though maybe some people on Reddit may disagree with that.
1: And they'd be right, Elon. There is one objective, proper
0: way to say names in most cases. And we still have many more players whose names I could mispronounce that we want to talk about this week. Uh, Let's talk about some goalies now. A lot of people are going to be making some tough decisions. We've been seeing some heartbreak on our patron-only Facebook group. People saying how they worked so hard all year just to get screwed over by bad goalie performances ruining their week. So it's very important to make the right decisions. There's some goalies who I think are worth looking at for this final week. First of all, there's all the intrigue in Detroit. Peter Morazza got the start in a couple of crucial games last week that you would have thought would have gone to the starter Jimmy Howard. Then Howard finally got a game yesterday against Minnesota. And did pretty well. The Wings won 3-2 to against the Wild, and he made 22 saves, only let in two goals. But now Mrazek will be back in nets today against Washington, and I think that will help decide, I assume, where they're going to go for next week, unless they've just already decided that they're going to stick with Mrazek, and they've just been playing Howard yesterday because of the back-to-back. Detroit plays three times next week, no back-to-back, so it's really up to them to decide Which goalie is going to run with it? I'd assume they'd want to pick one goalie because that would be the one leading them into the playoffs if they can make it. Brian, which one would you rather have right now? Who do you think they're going to go with?
1: This is a very tenuous situation and it's been seemingly back and forth for a good chunk of the year when both goalies have been healthy at the same time. If you look at the save percentages, they're very similar. If you look at their goals against averages, they're very similar. They have the same amount of shutouts, although Morazic has played about half as many games as Howard. And their quality start percentage is also similar with Murazik seeing a little bit higher of a ratio of quality starts to non-quality starts. And I'm going to throw another wrench into it, but first I'm going to tell you about this other metric. It's not a quality start, it's a really bad start. And a really bad start means a start from a goalie in which that goalie posted a save percentage below 850 That's happened to Morazic six times in 27 games. It's happened to Howard seven times, but in 51 games. So there's so much to look at between these two goalies. But it all seems to point to the same place, which is, I, I, I don't know. The good news is that if you have both Red Wings goalies, they play Carolina twice in their final three games of the season next week, which should hopefully go okay, but seeing these semi-regular goalie stat explosions from them and not in a good way over the last couple of weeks does not necessarily inspire confidence.
0: Yeah, I guess my conclusion would be if you have Howard, you should be nervous because it's very likely that Mrazic will get these starts, especially if he could have a good game today against Washington. And then on the other hand... If Mirazik is available as a free agent, he may be worth picking up because, like Brian said, Detroit has some nice games next week and it seems like he has a chance. It's still possible that they go back to Howard, but signs are starting to point to them maybe going with Mirazik and that could be a very sneaky ad. And we're
1: looking very short term here. It's easy to lose sight of the fact that Jimmy Howard actually ranks eighth in all NHL goaltenders who've seen regular games played since 2012. He ranks eighth in save percentage at even strength, which is a good way that we used to measure. There are more ways that actually you might start implementing next season, but for now, that sort of says he's a pretty good goalie. We mentioned that also at the start of this season in our preseason series to mention that he was worth drafting, you know, in a fairly high spot when you're looking at goalies. But Elon, like you said, all of that is kind of out the window. If Morazic is the guy now, if he's the one giving steady performances going into the playoffs, then he's going to be the guy. And all of a sudden, actually, Detroit just a little bit, finds themselves on the fringes of being in the playoffs. They're pretty much in for sure, but it's not quite as 100% concrete as I'm sure they
0: were hoping it would be. And the other big goalie controversy going on right now is in San Jose, and they're pretty much for sure not going to be making the playoffs, which is very surprising, actually. It's crazy that the Sharks, who have been so consistently making the playoffs for so long, but they're going to be on the outside looking in, and they've already been jumping around lately between Stalock and Niemi for who would get the final starts of the season. Actually, Stalock had a nice little run going. He had a great game against the Penguins where he only let in two goals on 33 shots. And then he beat the Avalanche in their next game, letting in only one goal on 20 shots. But then, unfortunately, he ended up going down with some sort of illness that doesn't look to be long-term. Niemi came in for two games against Arizona, which should have been slam dunks. And he had a good first game, but then on the next night, he let in four goals and didn't get the win. Going into next week, the Sharks play three times. And if Stallock is available to them, I think the Sharks are going to play him just because... You know, they already know what they're going to get out of Niemi, and Niemi is a free agent next season, so I feel like they'd want to give Stalock some starts. So he might be a nice add for next week if you need some goalie starts on a team that should be a good team. Like, I guess the Sharks aren't a very good team. And they play Dallas, Edmonton, and L.A. next week. Brian, would you grab Stalock if you could?
1: I'd hope I'm not relying on him at this point in the season. Elon, you, like, mentioned on the Facebook group, like, hey, Brian, look at Stalock, He's doing so well. And I said, yes, it's very nice of him to show up in games 76 and 77 of the regular season because I think at the start of the season you were a little higher on him. You thought things would go a lot better. I was bearish and I still think rightfully so. However, if you see that you can stream a start from him, especially if it is the one at Edmonton and the numbers are going to help you, well, then sure, go for it. But no promises.
0: Yeah, Brian's referring to this Thursday. It's going to be the Sharks at Edmonton. That might be a nice game to get Stalock in for, especially if Nugent Hopkins is still injured. We're going to close out the show soon, but first let me just quickly thank the patrons of Keeping Carlson. Thanks for all of your support throughout all the season. We've been having a wild ride over the past few weeks in the patron-only Facebook group getting people through their fantasy hockey playoffs. We've seen a lot of sadness of people being eliminated, but still a lot of people competing, and it's very exciting. And it's almost like Brian and I feel like we still get to be alive, even though my teams are eliminated. It's very exciting to cheer on the patrons and their teams, and we've been giving lots of advice, and everyone's been sharing. It's a great place to be. It's not too late. You can still sign up to be a patron. We'll add you to that Facebook group right away to get advice all throughout this final week of the season. And hey, even if you just like the show and wanted to throw us some support, this is your chance to sign up for $5 a month and help support the show that's hopefully helped you through this whole Fantasy Hockey season.
1: And to all our patrons who have supported us all season long, thank you so much. We've got some plans for the summer that we're going to run by you. Expect to hear from us over the
0: next couple weeks about how the summer looks for Keeping Carlson. But okay, before we end the show, Brian, there's a few players on hot streaks and a few snoozers. Let's start with some snoozers. I want to throw a name at you, a guy who we've liked all year, but at this point I think I'm going to have to say this guy's a snoozer and you've got to get him out of your lineup. Anders Lee has really slowed down. We were such big fans of Lee because he was getting a small amount of ice time earlier in the year but still putting up decent amounts of shots. Ever since Kyle Posto's come back, though... Lee has one point, one assist in his last 10 games. He's done absolutely nothing. And his shots are down, which is the most disappointing. He even had two games in a row against Detroit and Columbus last week where he didn't put a shot on goal in either game. He's been a consistent minus or zero player. He's not helping you at all. I really wouldn't want Anders Lee in my lineup going into this last week, unfortunately. But keep an eye on him for next year's draft.
1: This was our exact frustration with him earlier in the season before the Okposo injury was that there were so many good signs. He had good possession. When he was given opportunity, he was able to take advantage. It's just that that opportunity was not there. And then when he got it, we got excited. When Okposo was out, he moved up the depth chart. And then when Okposo came back, we did warn that his value was about to drop. Unfortunately, it has not just dropped. It has nosedived. And he's really just not worth owning in most formats going into the final week of the year.
0: And my other snoozer is someone, it's not by his accord, he's been pretty great, but Cam Talbot at this point is a snoozer. The Rangers play four times next week, Monday, Tuesday, then Thursday and Saturday, so I assume Talbot will get one game in on Monday or Tuesday, so you could hold on to him for one of those games, but Lundqvist, as we predicted, is for sure the guy now in New York after that rough start, After coming back from injury, he's been the king once again. He's got three wins in a row, and he put up save percentages of 941, 929, and 972 last week. So if you have Lundqvist, you're excited to have him for, I'm assuming, three games next week. But Talbot's only going to get one, so you might want to grab another goalie. Drop him for like a Stalak or a Mrazik, who are more likely to get starts.
1: Or maybe even Andrew Hammond. Yes, I said it and I think this is like the first time all season I've recommended adding him unless of course you were desperate then I recommended adding him of course but his numbers and everything have told me the whole time that nothing good is going to happen and they've lied to me and I guess have I lied to you? I hope not. Not intentionally anyway All this to say, this could be the time where he might be worth your while. The Sens do not have any points to spare at all. And it looks like they might be leaning towards riding Hammond for the rest of the season. I'd expect him to get at least one, maybe two, maybe three of the last three starts for the Sens. Which is bad news for Anderson owners who were excited when he came back. It's not that Anderson has been bad. It's just the team has looked awful with him in net as a whole. I don't think he's to blame. I don't think Andrew Hammond is better than Craig Anderson. I'm still not going to say that Andrew Hammond is an above-average goalie at this point in the season. Elon, look at Michael Hutchinson. He was fantastic for the first half of the year, and we warned about what would happen. I guess if we gave Hammond another 30 games, it would happen to him too, and in my estimation, it might happen a lot sooner. But this was not a rant about Andrew Hammond. This was just a mention that perhaps you can pick him up if you need some goaltending help down the stretch.
0: Right, yeah. And... I initially started this by talking about Talbot. It'll be interesting to see what happens with his career. I think he's shown himself to be capable as being a starter. I wonder if at some point he'll get the opportunity. He definitely won't with the Rangers, at least not for a couple more years.
1: I think the Rangers would love it if he eased into the number one role as Henrik eased out of it. Although I don't know if both sides have the appropriate patience to make that happen.
0: Okay, and let's end the show with some players on hot streaks. I'm going to mention one that's probably not available, actually definitely not available in your league, but he needs to be mentioned. Brian, Yuri Hoodler. he's got four goals and eight assists in his last nine games. He is now eighth in league scoring, and I'm looking at the list of the Art Ross race here. You know, Crosby's on top with 81 points, Tavares behind with 80, Ovechkin with 79. It'll be an exciting race probably between those three. But Hoodler is ahead of guys like... Steven Stamkos, Claude Giroux, Ryan Johansson, and not due to injuries. Like, he's played less games than these guys, but he has put up so many points. So, obviously, if you have Hoodler, you're going to want to run him, play him every game. I imagine he's a must-start. I'm very interested to know, I guess we'll talk about him more in the offseason, but how does this look for next year for Yuri Hoodler? Like, is he now a top 10 star in the league, or is this a one-off?
1: I'm going to hedge, Elon, and say somewhere in between... He's been really successful since coming to Calgary, was on a 50-point pace in the lockout shortened season, beat 50 points last year, and of course has totally eclipsed that this year with 72 points so far in 76 games played. I have a few more details to add, but Elon, I think this is something we're going to go over in our off-season series this year. We're going to talk about several players like Yuri Hoodler who've come out as big scorers this year but maybe weren't expected to and weren't expected to keep it up all season. And we're going to talk about whether or not they're going to be able to do that. And Nick Foligno would be another name, for example, that we'll include in those discussions. While we're talking about Yuri Hoodler, it is also worth our while to mention his line mates, Sean Monaghan and Johnny Gaudreau. They have been fantastic. I was, like, starting to count up their points to try and say how many they have in their last X number of games, but it just keeps going and going and going. Fantastic numbers all season long from all three. What a pleasant surprise, and the amazing part is that all three might have been available as free agents to start your season. At least two of them probably were, so props to that incredible Calgary Flames line. It's also a lot of fun to watch, and I hope they can keep it up next year, but again, we will dig into that in our off-season series this summer.
0: But yeah, for a guy like Monahan, he's still only 62.6% owned in ESPN, which is surprising to me considering he's got 60 points in 80 games so far, 79 games actually. The Flames play three times next week, like we mentioned when we were talking about their goalies. They play Arizona, LA, and Winnipeg. Definitely, you want to get those Flames in your lineup if you can. Godro, Monahan, and Hoodler, they are on fire. Another player who's on fire is Yarmir Yager who's just been fantastic since going to Florida. I'm not sure if we've given him enough credit, but he had a multi-point game against Carolina, golden assist. He also scored two goals against Ottawa about a week ago. And yesterday, even though he didn't get any points, he took five shots against the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's been fantastic, as has his line mates, Huberdeau and Barkov. But I will say, though, because we are talking about players on hot streaks, and maybe you're thinking, oh, I got to go and grab Yager right now. Or maybe like a guy like Brandon Peary also who we keep mentioning every week and he keeps scoring goals every once in a while. But yeah, the thing is Florida only plays on Thursday and Saturday of next week. So I don't know if it's worth the risk to go and grab a Yager now if he's available just because then he's just going to sit and do nothing until Thursday. But definitely later in the week if he's still available, he'll be a great guy to have for the final two games of the season assuming you think he'll be able to keep it up, and he will be playing against Boston, New Jersey, so two good goalies, though, Schneider did get pulled in his last game, so he's not exactly at his best right now, but yeah, unfortunately, the Panthers aren't going to make the playoffs this year, but they do have a lot of exciting players that we'll be talking about, like you said, Brian, in our off-season series, we're going to have a number of different things we're going to discuss, and one of them will definitely be if these young players on the Panthers are all going to improve over what they did this year, which would be fantastic.
1: And Elon, to end the show this week, we are just going to rhyme off a bunch of players who are doing well lately. And again, like we mentioned last week, the fancy stats are the in-depth analyses aren't necessarily required seeing as we only have two, three, or four games left for each player. We're just going to hope every guy keeps rolling. The guys I'm about to talk about would be unlikely to sustain this production for a whole lot longer, but you don't need them to do it for a whole lot longer. You just need them to do it for a little bit longer. So without further ado, I'm going to start off with Justin Fontaine of the Minnesota Wild. We talked about Kevin Hayes being one of the top even strength point getters since February 8th. Justin Fontaine is second in the league in points per 60 minutes at even strength since February 8th. He's got 17 points in his last 24 games played, 5 goals and 12 assists with 46
0: shots on goal. Okay, and how about I'll jump in and throw in Evgeny Kuznetsov, someone who we thought would be really fantastic at the start of the year. Didn't really pan out, but he's been great lately. 10 points in his last 12 games. The downside, though, is that Washington only plays two times next week and not until Wednesday, so maybe hold off on that ad for now, unless you really want to grab him. Of course, a big reason for Kuznetsov's recent production, may be that he's been playing on the top line with Alex Ovechkin lately. Ovechkin was actually split up from Backstrom. Backstrom's been playing with Johansson and Brouwer, and it's been Ovechkin with Kuznetsov and Joel Ward. So obviously, before you grab Kuznetsov for Wednesday's game... Check to see if he's still going to be with Ovechkin. I don't see why he won't be, but you know, not with Ovechkin, that means definitely he won't be able to keep this up.
1: And going back to Justin Fontaine for a second, he's got four games this week, which would beat two games from a whole lot of players. I might think he doesn't see a ton of ice time, but he does make the most of what he gets. Let's move on to a couple Sabers savers who are playing three times this week, once on Monday and then back to back on the final days of the season, Rasmus Ristolainen. On defense, he has 7 points in his last 5 games played. 3 goals, 4 assists, 10 shots on goal, and 11 hits. And Marcus Foligno had a big game last night. That puts him up to 5 points in his last 7 games played. 2 goals, 3 assists, and 14 shots on goal in that span.
0: And since you're talking about Sabres, Brian, I'm going to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back. And not to say some of my calls have been off, but last week I did mention that Brian Gionta was in line to have another good week and to keep his production going with games against Arizona and Toronto to start the week. He had a goal and assist against Arizona, got two assists against Toronto. He even picked up an assist in their next game against Chicago. So he may have helped a lot of people. It's crazy to think Brian Gionta might be the MVP of a lot of people's finals matchup.
1: That was a really good one, Elon. I know just from our Twitter feed and our Facebook group that several people were helped out a lot by that tip. And finally, a couple other potential MVPs for you over your final week of... On the Sharks, we've got a trio. Let's start with Patrick Marlowe, who might have been foolishly dropped. And we said at the time it would be foolish. And it turns out it was if anybody did it and you were smart to grab him. If you still haven't grabbed him, if he's available, go get him. Eight points in his last seven games played, three goals and five assists a less heralded star on the Sharks, but much heralded on keeping Carlson for the last couple of weeks. Chris Tierney is now up to 12 points in his last 15 games played with five goals and seven assists. And Matthew Nieto, also poking his head out, he's got five points in his last nine games played, two goals and three assists, which would not be a terrible depth add if his schedule meshes with yours in a fairly deep league.
0: And hey, Melker Carlson even has a couple of assists in his last three games, so he's been... Okay, not as great as we hoped when we said that, you know, playing with Thornton and Pavelski, that he'd be a slam dunk. But yeah, lots of sharks to choose from if you want to go that way. But alas, that's the final piece of advice we're going to be giving on the podcast for this NHL season. Of course, we'll still be giving advice on Facebook and Twitter and all of those avenues. But before we sign off, I guess we've got a new round of tributes to make, right, Brian? Some more teams have unfortunately fallen out of their leagues and been eliminated, but they will not be forgotten... Let's cue that tribute music. And Brian, why don't you read the first name of the team that has left before their time.
1: Thank you, Elon. Free Carl.
0: Fruit Looples.
1: Don't Taves Me Bro.
0: I feel like there's a Don't Taves Me Bro in every league. But okay. Malkin Mania. The
1: Russian rockets.
0: I just Kane.
1: <laughs> Taxi cab confessions.
0: The Wellesley Chalupa Batmans.
1: Elon's just shutting out his own teams right now. <laughs> I will not say my team name yet, though, because they're still in it. Um, back... Sorry, let's get serious again. Why you gotta be so, RUTU?
0: Back in business.
1: Everly Hills 90210.
0: Landisgog Lions.
1: Every day... (laughs) Every day I'm buffalin'.
0: Oh, this one's bad. <laughs> ovech carrion Cancer.
1: <laughs> Sad. Temple of the Phil. I don't get that one.
0: Phil Kessel? I don't know. We're really sorry about your losses, but hey... There's always next year, and that's why you're going to tune in to our summer series of Keeping Carlson, where we'll break down everything that happened in the previous season with a focus on how you'll draft next year. So definitely don't unsubscribe. If anything, if you're not subscribed, subscribe. We never even mentioned that. You could go on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast, you could get it every week. But yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Also, you could follow us on Twitter at Keeping Carlson. Also, speaking of our Twitter account, we're going to be announcing soon the Keeping Carlson playoff pool. We're going to make a pool. It's going to be probably one of those box pools where everyone could just sort of pick one person from each box. We have a prize this year. It's going to be fantastic. So follow us on Twitter so you could be appraised of when we're going to share the link to join our playoff pool. And we'll let you know what the prize will be. Also, I mentioned iTunes. You might want to go and just give us a five-star review on iTunes. We always appreciate that. You can become a patron, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. And with that, let's cue the outro music, and Brian, read us the credits.
1: This show was supported by our patrons and presented by Daily Faceoff. It was completed with research help from War on Ice, Puckalytics, Hockey Analysis, Hockey Reference, Behind the Net, Roto World, Yahoo Sports,
0: and ESPN Fantasy Hockey. Great job as always, Brian, and good luck in your finals week. Next week, I really hope you take it home your team Kevin Carlson in your pool, so I feel a little bit of a connection there. Yeah, great job, and we will talk to you next week. Until then, keep on keeping carl